Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. I'm Rainy. Welcome back. Hello. Happy Tuesday. How are we all doing today? Yeah. How's everybody doing? We have our NPR voices on today. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like the NPR people, they, they, the mic is like right here in front of their face with like yeah. a wind, with like one of those windscreens. And so all they have to do is like lowly speak into the mic. They're like whispering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have headphones on. So they're like, and maybe like a blindfold. So it's just about the one sense about listening. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Listen. Uh, how are you, Rainy? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm very sleepy today. Yeah, this day is, is it's dull. It's a dull day. It's a dull day. It's a dull Thursday, February 10th. Yeah. I was pretty riled up yesterday, feeling very crazy. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, because Jason Kenney, the premier of Alberta, decided to pull all the mandates from Alberta because, or not because, he pulled all the mandates. Saskatchewan too, right? Saskatchewan, Alberta pulled all the mandates. And then Jason Jason Kenney in a press conference compared COVID-19 unvaccinated people, their treatment to how people were being treated in the AIDS epidemic crisis. When he himself was one of the political bodies that made the first ever bill that banned spouses from seeing their loved ones in hospitals because they weren't allowed to get married. Fuck you, Kenny. Fuck you, Jason Kenny. Yeah. That guy was a fucking loser. He's a fucking loser. Yeah. And then I was all riled up about that. And then I was riled up about the giving away of free COVID-19 tests, but you have to have a minimum purchase if you get them from Walmart or Loblaws. Yeah. Which is like, <laughs> cool, cool, cool. They're, that's not free. That's also very exclusionary to people that might need them. Yeah. Well, hopefully that people that aren't going to need, don't need them in that moment or, or we'll just give them away to hopefully there'll be like a donation site for those, you know, <sighs> maybe. I just, I just wish that like, because it's like well, they're paid for by our government, which is funded by our taxes. So just give them to us. We've already bought them. Yeah, Why are we buying them I again? I know. I know. <laughs> You've had these for weeks. Why are they just coming out now? I know. <laughs> COVID stupid. <laughs> so stupid. So stupid. It's like literally nothing makes sense anymore. And I nothing. don't understand. Ugh. It's very true. It's very crazy. And then I was riled up because I found out a family member is driving all the way from Red Deer to Ottawa to join the convoy. And I do not care who knows it. It's crazy. They asked me, I haven't spoken to this person since 2018. And they messaged me to see if I wanted to go with them. Which is ignorance. Which is fucking ignorant. <laughs> it's so crazy. I, they just like, that to me, just like they live in an alternate reality that they think that this, I don't know, that this is the right thing. I don't know. Ugh, I can't. Wild. I was at like at work and I was like freaking out to one of my coworkers and she was just like, that's bananas. I don't know what to tell you. And then I, yeah. text, and I texted my mom and all she said was loser. Yeah. Such a loser. <laughs> all I can say to anybody at this point is loser. <laughs> so that's where my head's at. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm so tired today. Cause yesterday I was all like, your brain's running at a different pace yeah (laughs) um this week we have the wonderful kendra epic yay i don't remember the last time we sat down with like um like a close close homie (laughs) close close homie (laughs) 
<laughs> you know what I mean though? Totally. Totally. Yeah. I love Kendra. She's amazing. She talks about all the things, photography, all the things, dance, all the things, art, yeah. all the things. She's super talented in a very multifaceted way, which she's like yeah. very humble and kind about. And she is the voice of an angel. And I could listen to her saying, I actually actually would love to just have her sing me to sleep every night. That would be <laughs> just kiss. Just Kendra sitting on your dresser, <laughs> swinging her feet with her guitar on her lap. <laughs> so sweet so sweet if yeah definitely (laughs) um she's amazing check her out go to her instagram check out all of her work she's got some amazing films some amazing photography and listen to this interview let us know if you have any thoughts yeah and if you want to watch it head to our patreon page gal pal prods gal pal productions for as little as one dollar a month you can watch every single episode of every single week and season you can go back and watch all of season four if you want to because that's when we really started using video exactly yeah yeah cool all right let's get going here we go kendra thank you so much for coming to talk with us today it's so nice to see you we went from like seeing each other i feel like every day for like right before the pandemic to (laughs) i haven't seen you in like a year i think i know i think maybe even more than a year and i i just love that the last thing that I did before pandemic was, was with you. So it's been, yeah, so sad. I know it's been very crazy with, um, everything going on. Um, have you felt because you were dancing a lot on like a lot of dance contracts right before the pandemic and you kind of have like, you have been dancing obviously throughout the pandemic, but you've been doing more photography and more like solo film work on yourself. Have you, um, felt almost like you've been like mourning that like in-person dance or how have you felt about it? Oh, it's, that's weird. The word mourning is weird. Cause I don't, I don't feel like I'm mourning <laughs> yeah. dance, but I definitely miss it. I mean, I think there were some, you know, going into more photography and videography was truly like a blessing to have mm-hmm. during COVID. I mean, it was like the perfect, like switching of gears, I think. Um, because it allowed me to like have these kind of individual practices rather than like being in a studio with a bunch of people which I also love but at the same time I like was able to kind of find like my own voice in a way and like kind of really explore creativity because we had the luxury of time I mean that is so mm-hmm. uncommon that's like unheard of um, <laughs> like right the year uh, I think it was 2020 like when everything shut down I was able, I somehow landed a film commission and I was able to create like a whole film for the majority of the year. It took me like four, four months to film it. And I had no other commitments, which was ridiculous. So I really was able to like put all of my energy into that. Mm -hmm. That's Sunglow Echo, Sunglow Gecko, right? Yeah, that was Sunglow Gecko, Yeah, which was, yeah. So it just has a special place in my heart, but yeah, at the same time, there's this like element of like missing dance and wanting to dance um but I think you know things with art especially for me I find that they come in waves anyways Mm -hmm. like I think because I have so many interests it's like sometimes I'm like super focused on photography or super focused on like filmmaking and then other times like I'll be teaching a bunch and it, it like 
it happens kind of randomly at the same time, like I'll get a bunch of teaching jobs or like a bunch of these jobs. So I don't really feel like um, I was mourning it. It just was, I was just on a different, different wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you have like so many facets that you have been able to like integrate with dance, photography, film, um, obviously performing dance. Have you like, did that always happen? Was that always the way, like even when you were 15 at CCDT and stuff, were you always kind of interested in that or did it happen more after university? Totally after, well, well, you know, I've, <laughs> I've always been interested in photography. Um, my uncle who passed away in 2015, he was a, an amazing like landscape photographer. So I always had um, that kind of, idea in my head like it was like oh my gosh he's like a photographer that's so cool so um yeah we used to like go out and take photos together and um actually in university I think is where my um desire to like do photography and videography started because um I was in a really intensive dance program and in my sophomore year I think it was I tore my ACL which was super fun mm. it was like no it was actually pretty terrible because <laughs> it took me it took me out for like a year and a half which is oh. like ridiculous when you're in school for dance because it's like how do you do how that? are they grading you yeah yeah right like how do yeah. I yeah. Uh -huh. how do I manage that but um my university was actually really accommodating and they like they moved my classes around and like I was able thankfully like it happened at the end of the semester. So all my dance teachers kind of were really accommodating with like my grades and stuff. And I just sat out for maybe like the last month of school. Mm -hmm. And then coming back into the spring semester, I did all academic classes. And mm -hmm. one of those was photography. And I like really, because I, I had the space to like do something else. I took mm -hmm. a photography class and I remember I took like a, a figure drawing class, which was like, it was super fun. Mm -hmm. um, and that class like kind of relit re -lit my, my fire for, <laughs> for my love of photography. And it like really gave me some tools to like understand more about like how the gear works and like how to edit and how to do ABC and how to find the product and like print photos. There was just a lot. And I, I kind of fell in love with it. And at that point, um, without dancing, like I kind of turned to photography and turned mm. to other elements of the art of the arts to kind of mm -hmm. fill that void um but then I, I would say um in terms of filmmaking it kind of happened I mean I've always loved like filming things filming myself filming dance mm -hmm. and um I never really took it seriously until I think I did a, a program um and one of the tasks was to like make a film mm. and I just remember sitting like in in this uh like in this room with a bunch of other dancers and everyone was complaining they were like we only have a week and they like we're already here like we don't want to we don't want to make a film like we're here to dance and I just remember being so excited and like no one else was excited to make, <laughs> to make this film and I was like yeah. oh my gosh like we get to make a film uh -huh. and I like tried really hard and it's it's still on YouTube somewhere I think I forget what it's called um <laughs> but it was so funny and then the the woman who was like curating the film portion came up to me after and she was like I really liked it like that was really good and it just like gave me this like idea of like oh there's more elements to mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. practice than just like 
being physically in the space and dancing with other bodies like there's this whole other element and I just like my, it was like one of those like like <laughs> moments where like my eyes opened up and I was like oh my gosh like the there's endless possibilities to mm-hmm. what could be created so yeah right wow very cool do you ever feel overwhelmed with that in that same realm is if you have so many options to explore an avenue of dance or of movement yeah so overwhelmed (laughs) (laughs) to like take a breath like yeah it's it yeah it gets very overwhelming I mean there's the options are are very there's many options and I Mm -hmm. think it's hard to for me sometimes to like really excel in something because I'm like oh it's, it's like having constant like distractions, not distractions, but you know what I mean? It's like, there's so many things to look at and so many options. I'm like, which path do I go down? Like, which way is the right direction? And should I put all of my energy into this thing? But then there's this other thing and I like, it turns my head and I'm like, oh, what if I do it this way? So I definitely think that having, having many options will definitely slow you down I guess in in this idea of like progressing I don't know if that makes sense progressing like what even is that is there like a is there sometimes that you're tempted because of like a monetary payback from one over the other (laughs) I mean definitely (laughs) I think when there when a contract comes around and I'm like oh well I guess we'll put this on hold because yeah I mean we still have to pay bills and and eat and you know live because money you can exchange it for goods and services so (laughs) (laughs) yep yes that's how it works that's how it works (laughs) yeah Yeah. um with sun glow gecko can I ask did you choreograph it in your room or did you choreograph it like out on where it was shot like where did you yeah do it where did you figure it Good out question so um the majority of the film is actually filmed in like one of like the side room of my house so I like I transformed mm-hmm. the whole room into a studio so I like built I built this like bookshelf that hangs above the door and then there's like hooks underneath it so that I could hang a backdrop mm-hmm. um so the majority of like all of the close-up shots that you see are just filmed in my house um right And then in terms of going out, that day was actually really fun because I wasn't planning on filming at all. Mm -hmm. And I I brought my camera just to like test out the shots. And I was like, I want to, I was going to wear like what I was going to wear to see like lighting and stuff. And I, I brought my dad with me. I was like, dad, do you want to, do you want to come? Your parents are the best. (laughs) My parents are, are the best. They're they're my best friends um so I brought my dad and I realized at the location um there was there's this is technically you're not technically allowed to film there but um because of lockdown um there was no like it was kind of like free range so Mm -hmm. nobody was there to kind of monitor it and I just like I saw the sun and I was like, this lighting is so good right now. And I was like, I'm just going to film it. So I didn't choreograph any of that. That's all improvised. Oh, wow, um, wow. All the dances improvised there and all the shots are improvised. I hadn't, cause I was going to plan the shots. So I was oh. going to go to like, kind of organize like where the camera was going to go and like what yeah. kind of shots I was going to do. And I ended up 
like filming that whole scene just by chance and I I didn't end up going back to reshoot it because I actually really enjoyed the footage so it was all kind of like spur of the moment like we're just gonna try it like I'm just there um my wonderful dad (laughs) I can actually shoot shoot remotely on my camera so he would just be like standing there like (laughs) guarding my camera because a lot of the shots are are really shot from really far away Mm -hmm. using like a zoom lens so I would like press record on my phone put it in and then like just kind of do my thing and yeah it was a it was a really fun experience and it was it was nice because there was also like people around too so I was kind of just like dancing in the middle of (laughs) this like location with (laughs) a bunch of people like being like what is going on right (laughs) dancing in public yep yeah yeah it's like an awkward thing that happens sometimes when you do that eh? yeah just awkwardly dancing (laughs) um because that film was commissioned by form form festival Mm. right yeah did it do anything else I think it did it did something else didn't it or is it just yeah I sent it on kind of like a on a roundabout I guess I'm still sending it to to film festivals, but it got picked up by a couple. There was like an international screening and then like a couple, yeah, just spurts here and there, which has been really exciting. I wasn't expecting it at all. And I kind of realized um, after how much work it is to like do that on your own. Um, People, that's that's people's jobs with short films and real films for film festivals. Submission. Absolutely. So much work to like customize them for each place yeah yeah it's a lot and Mm -hmm. I was got a little bit burnt out but there was a lot of emails that I started with thank you for your patience for (laughs) my late reply because (laughs) there was just it was it got to be like so much but yeah it it was it was nice to like see it go other places Mm -hmm. other than just just form because you had so much success with that, do you feel like you found almost like your niche, like something that's really working for you and it's inspired you to keep pushing that direction? Oh, absolutely. I think filmmaking is honestly like where my heart is. I, I just love it. I love films. I love dance. I love making films. I love directing it. I love like being behind the lens, in front of the lens. And mm-hmm. um, I'm just, I'm excited to like, make something again uh, mm-hmm. I'm just waiting for time resources money <laughs> <laughs> not to be snowy so, outside <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um because because it's literally just you filming yourself and you dancing how hard is it for you to not be critical of your like um fundamental technique or mm-hmm. like your form technique yeah it it's hard to not be super overly critical. Uh, There's definitely days where I remember like doing take after take like over and over because I'm like, oh, I'm not not hitting my mark. I'm like not doing it. And um, it does get frustrating, but um, I think the thing that I really like about filming myself is oftentimes I'll just improvise. um, And I, when I improvise in front of the lens, I almost like, forget that I'm being filmed in a way I'm just kind of dancing and I'll do these like super long takes like maybe like a 10 10 minute take and um that makes it easier to kind of like go in and just splice things so Mm -hmm. when it's when it's kind of more free movement I don't I don't find that I'm 
too overly critical of myself, but definitely when it's like choreography um, and I'm like making something and like having to yeah. do it, like perform it, there's, <laughs> there's more elements of like, oh, we should do that again. Or let's, let's refix, let's rework that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like listening to you say that you're more critical of when there's choreography, do you think that comes from a very traditional like dance training? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's so much of that where I'm overly critical of technique and placement and everything, because I mean, how could you not be when we grow up in like these structured systems where we're taught, like everything has to be, you know, you have to have good technique, turn out, point your foot. I think right. that, that was a lot that was ingrained in me when, when I was a kid. So even, I mean, through university. So yeah. Yeah. Um, cause you went to like a pretty, oh, sorry, Corinne, you continue. Sorry. I was just like, wanted to ask if that like is also reflected in how you view yourself as a dancer. Mm. Like if where it was like that over critique of yourself in university and in school is now like still coming up and is still something you have to deal with. Mm. I, I think for sure. I think I'm never going to not be critical of myself in in multiple facets of myself. Mm -hmm. I think, I think like as dancers, we're just taught like, this is the right way to do it. And this, like, mm -hmm. you have to, like, you're, we're always striving for this idea of like perfection and like what that looks like in dance, especially when we're doing these like codified techniques. And mm. um, yeah, I just, I, there's a lot of pressure, but at the same time, I think the, the older I, the older I get, the more I realize, like, you know what, it's not always about being perfect. Sometimes the most interesting things about me are the fact that I'm totally imperfect and totally not, um, you know, this, this system. I'm not like a vessel. I'm just, I'm a human. Yeah. Right. Mm. How long did it take you to get to that place? Because... <laughs> Or, I mean, like, we can say, like, you're at that place now and you're like, everything's beautiful and I'm a beautiful goddess. But, like, we all have those days, obviously. Um, how long did it take, especially after experiencing what you did at, at your university program? You know, I don't think that there's, like, a point where it's like, oh, yes, this is, I'm fine. I'm better. <laughs> I think it comes in. No I think more it trauma. Comes in. No, no more trauma. <laughs> <laughs> We're free, finally. No, I think like it comes in waves. I mean, what you'll go in and you'll take a class and you'll be like brought right back to yeah. that starting point, you know? And then there's other days where you go to class and you're like, whatever, like it's fine. <laughs> this is fine. Um, but I think, yeah, I don't think there's like a, a point where I'm like, oh, I'm actually okay with everything there's always going to be that that like voice that critical voice um in classes but yeah I think it's slowly getting quieter which is nice the older mm -hmm. I get the right. wiser the wiser I get <laughs> the more space you get from it probably oh totally you know? yeah you're like the that is an old way of that thinking. was in the past yeah totally in the that's that's yeah. what I love about the dance industry right now is I feel like we're progressing and there's this almost like unraveling that's happening right now and yeah. I think it's nice to see um everyone like growing up and realizing like oh that's maybe like not the best way to 
teach children or not the best way to speak to children like let's not (laughs) ingrain these terrible ideologies in 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 our youth and in our in these dancers I think we're starting to realize that maybe we can progress with with the world slowly slowly but surely yeah I am interested I mean I haven't had the chance to go back to class like GMD or anything since I feel like a while (laughs) (laughs) honestly Um, same I was like, oh, when was the last one? 2019, <laughs> probably for yeah. me. <laughs> no, I no, I that's a lie. I did go to a class um when then we were open like last like summer into fall. But uh it's interesting because I remember like when, especially when I was in like my mid-20s, like just leaving university, like going to class and being like, I have to like look a certain way. I have to like be in a pair of like Adidas pants. And I have to look like I like care, but also like, I don't care. <laughs> and like, also like my hair needs to be like not pulled back, but like just like the perfect amount of like scruffiness or like my body needs to like feel like this exact way and look this exact way. Like I need to have like those like hardcore abs when my like oversized shirt flows up in a headstand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I wonder, and that was like back right before, I feel like right before the pandemic, it was like that a little bit too, you know? And so I'm interested to see with like all the progression, like you said, this like unraveling that's been happening within the dance industry, what will it be like? And maybe it's because I'm also getting older and I care less about everything. Or will it be like when I go to class, are all those insecurities going to be like immediately rushed back into me? Yeah, it's a it's interesting what it will be like. I, I also have not been in class in a very long time. <laughs> so I don't even know what my body looks like in a classroom anymore. Like, what does that even mean? How does that no. feel? Um, yeah. But I totally agree. Like there, we, when you, even when going to class, it's like you show up and it's like, it's almost like this, like weird standard that you put yourself to when in reality, like it doesn't really matter what you look like. Like no one's, I think when I realized that like, no one's really, no one really cares that much about me <laughs> as much as I do, which I mean, it sounds. We're all sad. main characters in our own. We're world. all the main characters <laughs> of our own stories. Right. And it's like, yeah. no one's actually looking at you and being like, oh my God, she wore like red and orange and that's those colors do not go or like oh my gosh her like her hair is like not in a perfect bun perfectly like messy, messy bun, bun. You know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> no we're all too busy with our own insecurities in our own yeah. bodies and in ourselves to ever mm. work to ever project those that onto other people and if we are projecting that onto other people that's like a bad sign yeah oh, definitely right if you ever like that person is not cool because they showed up to class without this blah, 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 blah. You're like, oh man, need to. I would just be like, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you 12? Like what? You- and like, how, why are you trying to be like trying so hard to be cool? Do you t- know where that energy does come from is sometimes is the person in the front of the room. Oh yes. Mm, totally. <laughs> right. Like the, the, like artist that's in their forties, fifties that had like oh. grew up in that era that like, that's what happened that's usually the person that like is like is like projecting that yeah 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 and I think like the more spaces that I find myself like almost leading in the more I'm like how do I make sure Mm. that everyone feels comfortable right now like how do I 
learn and like break the circle and like what can I do to ensure that everyone feels safe in this space and feels Mm -hmm. I mean I think we talk about like safety a lot in 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 dance and like Mm -hmm. creating a safe space but it's like you can't just say like this is a safe space and it's not it's not going to be safe like you have to actually put in work and do Mm -hmm. other things before saying that it's safe like talk about things that are are important versus like just coming into the space and being like you're safe here and it's like am I right (laughs) I don't feel right it's so funny it's like interesting to think about this like constant conversation about decolonizing spaces Mm. and like making things less hierarchical so that they can be safer spaces and like to walk into a classroom or walk into a studio and then run it the same way that you've always run it but like call it a safe space is like or like to run it like a traditional dance class in the form of like there's warm-up there's center work there's across the floor there's jumps goodbye like that's not decolonizing or making a space less hierarchical and not making it safe and so can we take that like that kind of form away from those spaces does that make sense or is that like a- yeah I think that no sorry Kendra no you, you go. go you go you go no I was gonna say I mean there's nothing wrong with like the in terms of like the order of the movements of that happening, no. right because there is a science behind like the reason that there's like warm-up to that to that but physical physically yes totally yes but yeah. if that's the only way you construct your dance classes because that's the only way it's ever been done right then I think there's like a relearning of like what makes that why that's important or why does that class specifically for you like, I think Joanne Baker talked about it in her dance classes. Like, she doesn't make her classes, like, in that simple form because it doesn't serve the f- movement that she's teaching, mm-hmm. right? But if you go to a jazz class, another type of a jazz class, and it still follows that balletic structure, is it actually mm-hmm. serving the form mm-hmm. kind of deal? Right, right. Does that make more sense? Yes, it does. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does. Um, Yeah, I, yeah, sorry. I was just (laughs) thinking. Um, I think it, yeah, it makes sense. I think that there are, but like a lot of people, like, like Kendra said, I think that like people are moving out of that, you know, like it's unraveling. There's lots of things happening that are like forcing people out of those constraints and, or feeling like they need to be constrained by that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What were you going to say, Kendra, before I cut you off? I, yeah, I kind of lost my train of thought. I think, um, yeah, it's so tricky. Like, how do we start to like unravel these structures? And I, I feel like it honestly starts with like the foundation of everything, like everything. Yeah is built on this foundation we have to kind of break it down and like get really to the bottom of it before we even talk about like like decolonizing from the top and like almost it's like how do you how do we get down there and like really dig up the foundation and rebuild it so that we can have these like more palpable structures I guess I don't know Uh like what would be thinking like out loud like what would be a palpable structure for you two that would have helped you in like those integral learning years of your dance career I think for me like the way that we speak to people is is mm-hmm. is the beginning of it mm-hmm. I think um it's less to do about like 
for me, the beginning is less to do with how we move in the space and how we are in the space. And it's more like how, how do we exist in the space and how do we communicate in the space? That's important for me, I think. Um, <laughs> I mean, looking back and like when in like 2000s, 2007 to 2016, even like even through university, it's like oh, that long ago, like eh? <laughs> yeah, it's years, years. Yeah. Oh. ancient history right <laughs> it's like I mean yeah even looking back in university I'm like why was I being spoken to with such mm-hmm. negativity and such like I'm not going to use this word lightly but abuse like there's a lot of like mm-hmm. words that are used and ways that we belittle and speak to people that I think really needs to change and I feel like the foundation starts like even with maybe like who we allow, who, who we allow to teach people in the space. And it's like, Mm -hmm. how, how do we change that? Like, maybe it starts with like assessing the room and seeing like what we need in the space rather than like allowing people who have these kind of behaviors to continue to exist and continue to teach children Mm -hmm. and continue to. Yeah abuse their power yeah there's been so much out this past I mean like all year about like dance Mm -hmm. conventions and like um people posting about how like conventions or you know these spaces that were supposed to be like empowering and educating young dancers they were actually just like hiring for namesake and less about how the actual person's relationship was with the students and it ended up in like a lot of like forms of abuse that ended up happening right Mm -hmm. so that is a yeah, dangerous, yeah. really scary. Super think, dangerous. Yeah, super, just super dangerous. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. And like when I think about, I mean, did you ever go to conventions, Kendra? You know, I went to one jump convention and I oh, never okay. went back. Oh, I yeah. never went back. <laughs> really? Yeah. I hated it. It was awful. It was like, I mean, I'm used, to, I'm used to like the opposite of that. I, I think like I had a friend who was in like the, the competition world. I grew up doing competitions and, but I, I left to go to CCDT when I was like pretty young. So I didn't really get like the bulk of it, bulk of my um, dance mm-hmm. training at, at like a competition studio. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember going to one cause my, one of my friends had invited me and she was like, you're going to love it. And I was just, I felt so bad the whole, the whole time. Same. And I just, I felt so sad. And like, I felt like, because I didn't know that many people, like I was like this, like, like people were like not talking to me. Like I remember going up to like, or I was with, I was with my friend and then her other friends. And like, I just remember being like why are people ignoring me like I would like say something and like people would be like I don't know who you are like what is your studio and I'm like oh I go to like this other studio we don't compete but like yeah. I just yeah it's just the, the energy felt really weird and I think um because I had the privilege of like going to this other studio and like and feeling like this other type of like the dance industry and like I think I was really protective of, of my vibes, you know, yeah. <laughs> protective of my energy. Yeah. And I was like, I like this way. Like I noticed immediately. I was like, I like this way more than I like this. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that again. And I didn't, and I didn't go back to a, another convention. So, yeah, I yeah. felt very similar to like, to them. I, 
growing up in like a really small town in a really small studio, all of the conventions were really far. They were like in Edmonton and Calgary. And so you had to yeah. drive like five to eight hours to get to them to start with. And you went with like maybe one friend and then because it's also an expense thing, like could your family afford to send you to something like that for a weekend to put you up in a hotel if you didn't have like somewhere to stay in the city? Um, and then for you to like, and your parents to not have to work on the weekends. Anyways, a whole lot of things going on but then you like go there and you're like one in 500 kids in a room mm -hmm. no one talks to you and you're fighting to get on the floor and it's so busy that you're scared you're gonna get smacked in the face you're gonna kick someone in the face and you what I found it was like it was super clicky and it was like oh you don't know who this who's leading right now like oh my god like they're so cool and they do all of these things and I was like I have no idea what's going on here. And I just like yeah. picked a bunch of like jazz and lyrical classes. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. yeah right. right. Didn't like them either, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's when I think about like the best ones that or like even like the best workshops I've been to, I, cause that's like essentially what conventions are. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think like the best ones are people are like teachers and, um, educators who are like actually like on the floor invested like showing you how to like orient your body in, or, or what did I orientate? like move your orientate your body <laughs> sorry in the right way I like went to one in New York and then it was a Tysta Diorio Diorio I can't think of him I don't know what's going on with my brain today but he like literally just sat on the mic like sitting on the stage and just like had a dancer be like this is what it's like this is what it's like and would just like kind of go like that's like how he would and I think he was like exhausted because he was filming some like movie musical at the time but it was the I remember I was so excited to do his class and it was so disappointing because he was so clearly exhausted and also like probably should have pulled himself out of that gig and just was just like okay anyway and just like that was like what his face was like the whole time and it was so awful because after watching like so you think you can dance was like such a like a huge thing when we were younger and he was always on it um and it was so influential and I remember being incredibly like that was a very like don't meet your heroes um moment you know like how disrespectful from him to like waste everybody's time like that like that's not what you're paying for when you take someone's class like that also like there's like what like like you said like there's like 200 people on the floor yeah each yeah. of those people are paying like probably a thousand dollars to be there for like two days it's yeah outrageous yeah we were just talking about like what are things when you were younger and those like integral parts of your dance career that would have helped you what have made what would have made things be safer for you or feel safer um I guess I like love what you said about communication and the way we talk to each other Kendra um but I guess the way that I was like in this whole conversation about like making dance less hierarchical or less like decolonizing it I'm thinking specifically of like forms and styles of movement um and for me like being like a small short you know stockier like I always call myself stocky and I don't know if that's like a good thing or like a trauma response to like laugh about it <laughs> um for like not loving my body for like a really long time I would have loved if forms could have been taken like out of ballet. Like, don't tell me that I have to be like, tuck my, like have a smaller butt or a smaller body or my leg has to be at my forehead to like be beautiful, you know? Like that's really what it comes down to for me. Mm. As if we could have taken movement 
out of this like very stylized, very like European, very like this very specific system to be like deemed successful. I think especially so in university. I don't know if I felt that in uh, like growing up studio as much. Like, yes, we went to competitions and festivals, but like we were tiny, it was fine. Like there was like, it was like the same seven girls that I danced with my entire life, really. You know, with like the few people that came and gone, came and went. Um, so it really came down to like bodies for me and listening to you talk about like how listen to you Kendra talk about how it's much easier for you to improvise than for you to do like um choreography is like oh that makes sense to me because that's I feel the same because it like feels natural in your body and this is like the choices you make feel good and also then they therefore probably look good when you're watching them because you love, love them versus like trying to do choreography you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's also so interesting to me that like we're three completely different people with three different body types and all of all of us have felt uncomfortable or like we weren't wanted in the same industry yeah that's crazy like what does that say <laughs> well yeah it just goes to show that like you can't escape like critique and there's like very few people that fit this ideal body standard right it's like yep. no, like you there's, I don't think any, like, I think you could talk to any dancer and I think there's going to be something that they're, they have been critiqued on in their life in terms of policing their body, you know? And I think, yeah, it's like how, like, what is, what even is that? Can we get rid of this archaic idea of like what a dancer body is, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. It's like, I feel like that was like the streamline plot <laughs> going to, <laughs> going, going to university. It was like, how, can my body be better? How can I be better? And will I, like, does having a perfect dancer body mean that I will be successful? Or can I actually work in these dance spaces and be successful in without doing anything to my body, just existing, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, and I think that prevented me from like going after things a lot after mm -hmm. university is because I, I kept thinking like this idea in my head, like, oh, when I reach this like ideal body standard, then I will be successful. And I should wait a little bit longer because maybe my body could be a little bit better. Right. And it's, I feel like that because this idea of like having the perfect body is ingrained in you since like we started dancing, I think it's like, it's really hard to break that and like break that like bias in your own head. And like, how do we start like questioning our own choices and questioning and critiquing our own ideas because I mean after university there's no one really to to tell you unless I mean you have like a life coach that comes along with you but there's no one to tell you like hey you can't do this because um because you don't look a certain way at, at after a certain point like it's it becomes your own thoughts that are are blocking you and your own insecurities that are are that have to be critiqued in order for you to like continue and like move on and progress in your life Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also think like you are never like, there's going to be so many more times that you are so imperfect for like whatever style it may be, yeah. you know, yeah. like you're rarely going to be like the exact image. I mean, that's like additioning, right? That's just, you're rarely going to be the exact image that someone's like wanting, you know? And I remember like at Royal Winnipeg, it was like, oh, your shoulders are too wide and um, your butt's too big. 
body's not perfect. Go to university. Oh, you're tall and contemporary dance. We usually have shorter dancers. You're not, it's going to be hard for you. Then you go to like, like Moulin Rouge. Oh, you're tall, but like not tall enough. So like, (laughs) you know, like how can you, and these are like three different situations that every dancer has been a part of. Oh, you're okay, but you're too short. Oh, you're actually a little bit too tall. Oh, we already have a brunette. Like there's so many, we already have somebody with pink hair. Like, I don't know. Lies. Lies. This is how you get work from now on, you guys. Show up looking the craziest. I love it. Um, It just like goes to show that like, you're never, like we have all these insecurities that we're born with and that we're told like what this perfect image of what a dancer is supposed to look like when we're younger. And then you grow up and you're like, nobody actually has any idea what a dancer is supposed to look like. So nobody looks like that idea. Yeah. Like, where did that ID come from? It's not actually physically possible for most people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, shame on you, dance industry. Shame <laughs> on you. Shame <laughs> on you. <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's these like unrealistic body standards and I'm happy that we're kind of moving into a new direction, but definitely when we were all there in like the mid 2000s, <laughs> 2010 to 2018, I would even say that was such a huge part of it, you know? Yeah. I also like then wonder like the people that were upholding those inattainable body standards for us during our years, like what were they like for those people? Mm -hmm. And then they're carrying that like, because you know, it's all like a cyclical, Mm -hmm. you experience something and you take that forward because you haven't done the work to unpack what that actually means right so I like Mm -hmm. also kind of wonder like what was it just worse before and like Mm -hmm. when did the change really start happening Mm -hmm. I feel like honestly it's because we have more resources Mm -hmm. now and I think even like with the simple idea of like the internet like we have access to like communication in ways that we that they did not have and I think um it's very isolating when you don't have like something to to look to and say Mm -hmm. oh actually they're doing it this way I think that's way better it's like it feels very closed off I guess and I think we have more resources now we have um voices we have platforms to stand up and stop cycles of of abuse happening because totally yeah I don't think I don't think that was accessible before unfortunately but I think now that we have voices it's it's and we're all saying the same we all start saying the same thing and you start to realize oh I'm not the only one that feels this way like we all feel this way right it becomes more apparent that like things need to change for sure totally yeah yeah and I I mean I hope I have like maybe like such faith do I have faith in the dance community it goes every day it changes like this yeah. it yeah. ebbs and flows it's a <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like I have faith that it'll be no I don't um no <laughs> there's still gonna be like horrible situations that we put people in um but it's because we're working with our bodies and like what's more sensitive than a human body and like your vessel that you have to live in every day right mm-hmm. yep um but it's sorry go ahead Rainy no, I was just gonna say, it's like, it's nice. I think sometimes to think that it's, it's getting better and it's going to be different and like all bodies can do dance and all bodies can do different types of dance mm-hmm. um, is what I would like to hopefully eventually happen. 
Yeah. What were you going to say, Corinne? And I was just saying, it's so sensitive because it's really hard to separate yourself from the work you do because it's mm-hmm. physical, right? Like you mm-hmm. physically can't separate the work from yourself. Like you can right. a regular job or even like something like where you have a different medium or different equipment. Like, yes, you could be in front of a camera and be a photographer, but like there is still that physical action that is different than dancing, right? Mm -hmm. Nope, if you're watching this, you just saw me do a really crazy. Is it weird that also, I feel like anytime anybody makes like a motion, any contemporary dancer has to make a motion about contemporary dance, this is the motion that people make. (laughs) (laughs) Do you notice that? Like every single contemporary dancer is like, you know, like it's like arms, head, (laughs) And if you're just listening, all of us did the same thing in a weird way. We just wiggled our arms through the screen. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you know. Right. Speaking about like bodies and um, uh, being like dancers and using them all the time, how have you been? Because I mean, photography, extremely physical, dancing, extremely physical. And you were just saying you have like a stress... (laughs) injury from editing <laughs> sometimes you are you like why am I picking so many like careers strenuous. and things that are so strenuous on my body and like what how much longer can my body handle this oh that's so true I feel like any I feel like anything that you do for like I mean I'm editing and I have a stress injury and I think that could that could go for people who who do work from home as well and are looking at a computer and typing and I think anything that you do as you age will affect your body and like have a, have an impact on your body. But I mean, it's, is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's worth it. I think, right. To do stuff that you love, even though it might take a toll on your body. I think every, most things that I, I do are, are very strenuous, but I haven't been totally impacted yet. Um, I think, um, if I'm being completely honest, this stress injury is like worse than like being sore from, from dance. Yes. And I, I think uh, that that anybody could get this kind of stress injury if mm. you're looking at it and staring at a computer, if you're doing mm. any type of work in front of a screen, I think is, is which is hilarious because you would think that I would be more <laughs> impacted physically from m- the literal physical practice that I do. But mm. when in reality... I'm more impacted from just like my immobility and <laughs> looking like a gremlin in front of my screen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just like hunched over. Literally. Like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess that kind of leads actually nicely into our final question. Corinne. Kendra, is being mm. an artist fucking killing you? <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I thought about this question and I feel like I often think about like relate being an artist to like drowning. Oh, it's cool. like, <laughs> it's like you're constantly just like wading in the water and like trying to swim. And there's all these factors that are coming into play. And you're like, I just want to like get to the island. And the island mm. is like, Moving? the island is like, <laughs> this, this, this like false idea of success is this island. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it changes all the time. It changes every way. Like, and then you'll like turn and there's another island and you're like, oh, maybe this island. And then you're just kind of like swimming around. And um, yeah, so I would say yes. But also it's like, I like, I like swimming, you know, 
So <laughs> not actually, like I don't actually like physical swimming, but like in, in metaphorically, right. <laughs> I like to swim. So I'm going to keep swimming until like a boat comes by and like a, an old fisherman is like, you should get out. <laughs> and <laughs> I will just take you to the island, but I'm, I'm, yeah. Here's a tow rope. Here's a, here's a, here's a floaty. Like, pass me, pass me a noodle. Yeah. Like swimming on my noodle to this island, this non-existent island. It's a mirage. It's a mirage. The islands keep changing where they yeah. are. Yeah. That was a great yeah. imagery analogy. I yeah. really, really enjoyed that. Also, it's so funny to me that when people describe being an artist or being like a dancer it's always a water analogy it's like always people being like like i'm drowning yeah yeah oh yeah thank you kendra so much thank, thank you, you for having me this has been such a nice uh time just spending time with you and talking with you both if people wanted to find your work where do they find it Ooh, um my instagram I have a photography Instagram. It's at Kendra Epic Photography. And I have a website for photography. It's, um, you can just look up Google Kendra Epic Photography and it'll show up. And my Instagram, I don't know, you can find me on the internet, online. <laughs> on the World Wide Web. <laughs> on the web. Yeah. <laughs> Kendra, thank you so much. It was so nice to see you. So good to see you. I miss you. I miss you too. I miss hearing your voice every day. I know. <laughs> it's, sing for yeah. me. I just need to wake up to it, like a recording of you singing for me. I'll just like sing you, <laughs> sing you to sleep every night. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that, but you also have a beautiful singing voice. Andrew, you do you. so many wonderful things. Yeah, oh, it's not you. fair sometimes. I'm like, I'm yeah. like barely good at one thing. <laughs> good at, so good at many things. No. <laughs> oh, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to find Kendra, go check her out. If you have any questions, you can check us out anywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, if you're really interested in viewing this and seeing our faces and all the weird actions we made, um, head on over to our Patreon. You can donate $1 a day to help um, $1 a out. month. Or one dollar a month but a dollar a day also would be helpful that would also um, be cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and thank you so much we will see you next week check it out us out anywhere at galpel prods see you next time bye <laughs>